What's going on, everyone? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Realm of Existence podcast. Our purpose is to encourage you to go after all of your goals and dreams and to live your best life in this realm of existence. My name is Sharon W., and I am your host. So today, I want to talk about women in STEM, which of course stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Now, specifically, I want to talk about minority women in STEM. And joining me for this conversation is my amazing friend and sorority sister, Dr. Tierra Ryan. So, Tierra, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Siobhan, I'm great. First of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm very excited to share my experience in STEM and just looking forward to talking to you. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you, too. Now, listen, guys, Dr. Ryan has an impressive resume, so I'll let her go into a little more detail. Um, but just to provide a little background, um, Dr. Ryan is a fellowship trained pharmaceutical industry pharmacist who earned her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the Temple University School of Pharmacy in Philadelphia. And following graduation, she worked in retail pharmacy for two years before pursuing a postdoctoral fellowship via Rutgers Pharmaceutical Industry Fellowship Program. Short for, well, the acronym for that is RPIF. I know that's a lot of words. <laughs> and she spent the past 13 years working in the pharmaceutical industry in various roles. Now, like I said, impressive resume. Now, currently, Dr. Ryan serves as a field-based oncology medical science liaison with Eli Lilly and Company. So, Tierra, again, thank you for being here. I know you're busy. So, again, just thank you. Now, I want to talk to you today about your career in STEM. So, as I just mentioned, of course, your current role being a field-based oncology medical science liaison. Can you just go into a little more detail explaining what exactly do you do in that role? Yes, but before I begin, I just want to put this disclaimer out there that the ideas and opinions that are discussed today are my own and do not reflect those of my employer. You know, I love that as a lawyer, right? <laughs> well, my, I get it. <laughs> being as though I work in pharmaceutical, I work in the pharmaceutical industry, when it comes to social media, we have to be careful just because I I'm in the field, I am the face of my company in certain circles. So I need to make sure I cover myself. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let me explain to you what a medical science liaison is. So it is essentially a field-based role where I support research. And what I mean by that is I speak to a lot of times key opinion leaders about experiences with a particular product, the ones within my company. So I'm in breast cancer. So I'm talking to them about their experience, understanding what they're seeing in the field. And I'll, I'll bring that information back to the company and we call those insights. And with that being said, we could use those insights to maybe enhance our development strategy. But the bulk of my job is networking, is relationship building, it's engaging in peer-to-peer -peer discussions. Essentially, I'm bridging the gap between the pharmaceutical company and the healthcare community. So again, my customers are mainly oncologists, pharmacists, and nurses, and then their support staff. So, and it's maintaining those relationships. Awesome, awesome. So let's go back just a little bit. So as I've mentioned, you, you've really spent the last uh, 13 years working just in the pharmaceutical industry in various roles um, up into your now current role. So just talk a little bit more about your background prior to your current position. Like, Why did you decide to choose a career in STEM? What about it interested you? So this goes back to when I was a child. So 
I remember when my oldest niece was born, we're six years apart. It was January 3rd, 1989, to be exact. For some <laughs> reason, I came home and my mom said Margie had the baby. That was my older sister. And for some reason, I said, I want to be a doctor at that moment. I don't know why. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then I think it was also watching the Cosby show, you know, Bill um, yeah. Heathcliff Huxable was a doctor. Mm -hmm. And so between my niece being born and watching the Cosby show, I wanted to be a pediatrician up wow. until high school. But in my mind, I wanted to deliver babies, but I thought that was a pediatrician. Ultimately, what I really wanted to be was an OBGYN. Right, right. <laughs> and then in pharmacy school, a rep came from a farm from, no, I'm sorry, in high school, a rep came from a pharmacy school and talked about pharmacy. Oh, you could still be a doctor without going through medical school and you could become a pharmacist and you're giving out medications. And I thought, okay, this is fascinating. So then oh, wow. I switched from wanting to be a physician to a pharmacist. And even out of high school, I was accepted directly into a pharmacy school. I didn't go to that pharmacy school initially, but I was accepted right out of high school into a direct entry pharmacy school. And so from there, um, and so you asked me about my background and explain how I got into STEM. So that's kind of how I got into STEM. Now, in terms of my current position, I went to pharmacy school, went to Temple. I wanted to be a retail pharmacist. And the reason why I was so sold on retail was because you come out of school and you make good money. And right. coming from somebody, you know, my family was, we weren't rich, but we weren't poor. Right. But I was coming out making money, more money than most people that I knew had ever made. And so who wouldn't want to do this? And there was another track where you could go do a residency, come out of school, basically don't make any money, but you train. And then when you're done, you would make a decent salary. And I to me at the time, that kind of stuff, residency and fellowship did not make sense. Like, why would I graduate school when I can come out making six figures or or why would I go make, for instance, $20,000? Like, right. explain to me that <laughs> at the time. Because I say that now because I, I worked in retail. I realized it wasn't for me and I, I just wanted something more. The company I worked for at the time, I, I, I don't feel like they really, they didn't really coach you in career development it was okay great you passed the boards today tomorrow we'll report to this store you're going to work with this pharmacist they're going to train you on how to be an actual pharmacist and show you what pharmacists actually do they never right. asked my resume i was working for the oh, company wow. as an intern <laughs> i was an intern with the company so it was just a promotion oh gotcha, still, gotcha. it was one of these things where you know, I'm trained to counsel patients on medication management, look at side effects, and you think that you're going to have all of this time to spend to spend um, to patient care. And in reality, it did not happen. It was how many scripts can you produce a day? How oh, many can you crank geez. out? Wow. And this is some high volume store. Sometimes text called out. They didn't have anybody else to send you. Some stores needed two pharmacists. I would be the only one. And I just realized it wasn't for me. And so I, I knew about this fellowship program. I wanted to get into industry. I was applying and I was, I, I was at these rejection emails. Sorry, you don't have the experience. It was right. discouraging. And one of my classmates, she did the fellowship out of pharmacy school. So she went and decided not to go for the nice pharmacist paycheck. She decided to do a training program. And I said, well, you know what? Maybe I should do that. And it sounds crazy, but I took a 75% pay cut. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> but that's how much I wanted to change. Right. But you went like, after what you wanted. I mean, which is more yeah. than we can say for a lot of people. A lot of people have regrets for not going after something they want to do. 
And so I did that and it was a, for my program, you, there were one and two year options. My program that, that I did was a two year program and I got on the job experience. And yes. with that program, through Rutgers, we, I would go to Rutgers every other week and we would have professional development days where they they taught us everything from how to advocate for yourself to how to drink wine or how to select wine. How oh, to wow. Because when you have business meetings, you have to know how to choose wine. Oh, awesome. That's you have to know how to have etiquette. You have to know which fork is the, the solid fork, which one is your dinner fork, where your cup is. And so honestly, they taught us down to the nitty gritty. Wow on how to be professionals in the pharmaceutical industry, because there are times I, I do, I can take customers to dinner. I don't normally do it. If they ask for it, I, I will. Right, right. But you have to know how to, <laughs> how, to have, how to eat, how to dine. And exactly. Everybody doesn't, do <laughs> everybody doesn't know. Right. I right. mean, and everything from from resume, uh, how to write a resume to make, you know, whatever it was at the time they gave, they, they gave us everything that we needed to nice. be professionals in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, finance, look, how to, how to talk to financial planners, <laughs> you know, whenever I go to a right. company, how you look for the intranet and you go look for your benefits, how to read everything. They wow. broke everything down. <laughs> so... That sounds awesome, though. That sounds like a good a good program. I think I remember when you were in that program. I think I remember you being very because you were in law school. Yeah, you were in law school. Yeah, at the time. so we were both very busy, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I, I get it. I, I just remember you being very busy. But the program itself sounds awesome. It was, and I don't regret it at all. And it was funny. My dad couldn't understand because I kept saying it was grad school. Because like to say a fellowship, most people don't understand a yeah. fellowship. So I'm like, it's like grad school. And he's because I moved to Jersey like an hour and a half away. He's like, can't you can't you go to school here in Philly? And I'm like, Dad, you don't understand it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not the same. And this at right. the time, the Rutgers <laughs> program is like the premier program. There are others. Right. But it was the original one. It's the one where when you go to the, the conference to interview, literally, it's like 200 candidates interviewing for 50 slots. Wow. And that interview yeah. process was intense. And I, I'll get into that. I guess we can talk about that later on, on how to prepare and things like that. But right. it was intense. I can imagine. But look at you now. I mean, come on. It paid off, right? I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Well, now, listen, so, of course, you know, everything that you're doing now, we always have to pay homage to those that came before us. And as you know, you know, unfortunately, with black women, you know, people that look like me, people that look like you, it hasn't always been easy. So, like, throughout history, you know, many minority women or hidden figures, if you will, they've contributed to many fields of study, including STEM, of course, and they've done so without, you know, any recognition, hence the book and the movie Hidden Figures. Um, now, for those unfamiliar with Hidden Figures, it is based on the true story of uh, Mrs. Uh, Dorothy Vaughn, Mrs. Mary Jackson, and Mrs. Katherine Johnson, who are all, of course, our beautiful sorority sisters. They're all, or were all, part of um, Alpha Kappa Alpha. Uh, may they all continue to rest in perfect peace. Now, these women led extraordinary lives, and they were often overshadowed, unfortunately, you know, by the accomplishments of their white male counterparts. So first things first, before we get into additional questions, did you see the movie when it first came out? I did. I now, did. What, what was one of your favorite scenes in the movie? One of my favorite scenes was when Octavia Spencer's character, um, she was playing Dorothy Vaughn. 
she learned about the new computers that were being put up across campus. And I think there was a manual on how to fix the computers. And I think she took it and read it. Then she went back and trained her staff on how to fix the computers. And I remember when they were all trained, and I think these computers were up and functioning, she takes her staff and leads these ladies across campus to this room. And now these ladies are now on site able to help assist with the computers. And so I feel like for me, when I see that, she she opened the door for her staff. Like she was a leader led by example and she advocated for her, her ladies. And so for me, that's powerful because in corporate America, you don't always have people advocating for you. And she truly fought for her team. And I think that was powerful. You know, I agree. I think that was powerful too, because I mean, I think it's also too, because she knew how it felt to not have anyone advocate for her. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're on that side of it, it's like, you know how that feels. And, you know, you you know that it's not a good feeling. You know, now, I'll admit, though, I didn't see the movie when it first came out. You know, it took me a while. I'm like that with most movies. People will see it. I'll see the spoiler spoiler alerts on Facebook. You know, and I'm like, whatever, but I'll still go watch it. But I did eventually see it. Um, and again, it's an amazing movie. So, but one of the scenes that stuck out for me was when uh, Taraji P. Henson, who played, you know, the character of Mrs. Katherine Johnson, she was berated for taking too long and using the restroom. Now, I know the story itself is based on these three intelligent women and people are like, well, that's the scene that stuck out for you? Listen, the fact that she was berated for taking too long to use a restroom, considering she had to walk so far to get to it. In the meantime, her and the other two ladies were making such historical and profound, like just they were impacting science and math the way they were. And that she's being berated for taking so long to use the restroom, not to mention the fact that she had to walk so far to do so. And it was just, that's something that just really stuck out for me. Um, But overall, it was just a really good movie. Again, you have these women making profound contributions in the field of science and math, yet they weren't even good enough to use the quote unquote white bathroom or the bathroom, you know, of their colleagues. (laughs) You know what happened when her boss found out about it? Yeah, I did that. that He he changed that immediately. (laughs) Loved it. (laughs) I loved it. But just the fact that she had to, like, explain that to him. I mean, I'm glad that he was receptive to doing what he did. I thought that scene was powerful, too. That was awesome. But that just made me so angry. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these women are, do you not understand the historical moment of these women at, at this place? And that's what they have to go through. But, yeah, so, no, that, that scene was awesome when he did that out. You know, I, I was I was cheering. I was acting like I was watching a football game. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. But <laughs> that that was a good scene. But um, but now it seems that, you know, more and more women are, or more and more minority women, rather, are being encouraged to pursue STEM. So I did some research um, because, you know, this isn't my field. But I understand that there's an annual uh, U.S. Women of Color STEM conference that's designed to help future STEM career makers navigate their careers and just to find networking opportunities. So let me ask you this, as a minority woman that has been in this field for quite a while now yourself, what advice would you have for um, any young women that look like us that really just wanna pursue a career in STEM? Like where would you say that they should start? First of all, go for it and don't be afraid. I think I often hear people say math and science is hard. And so they don't pursue careers in math and science because it's hard. But like any subject or most things, everything builds upon everything else. So 
the harder classes, you're not going to jump right into a, a hard class because you would have taken other classes that serves as a foundation for this class, which is why there's a certain sequence that you do take classes in. And so by the time you get into this field, you will be prepared because it's it's going back and recalling what you've learned, um, whether it's in, for, for me in pharmacy, it's biology and chemistry. And then you have a class called biochemistry. And then you get into medicinal chemistry and pharmacology. Then you get right. into anatomy and physiology. And then you get into essentially um therapeutics where you're putting it all together and learning how the body as a system works and how diseases occur and then how you treat the disease with the pharmaceutical compounds but you don't learn it overnight it's right, right. it's based off of everything you've learned your whole life so gotcha. I would just say go for it you know just don't be afraid you want to study it's it, it's not going to be easy you just have to put in the work yeah, and I think, no, like you said, a lot of people, I think they're scared, because then I was one of those people, even in elementary school and junior high school, I thought science and math was scary. Like, I just, I my forte was, like, communications and writing and speaking, so when it came to analytical stuff, like science and math, I'm like, yeah, no, but I did win my little George Washington Carver Science Fair, though, <laughs> back in eighth grade, because then I started to like it, you know, after I won the little award, but, um, but no, you're, you're right, though. Sometimes you really just have to go for it because you never know what you can do until you do it, right? But let me ask you a question. When you were a kid, did you know what you wanted to do as an adult or have an idea? Yes. And what was that? My two, my two uh, were really what I'm doing now. <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and I remember my one of my teachers uh, who is I'm friends with on Facebook. She's the one that told me that I was going to be a lawyer one day because I think I talked a lot in her classroom. <laughs> But she told me that I should be a lawyer and I'm the first person in my family, my immediate family to go to college. And so I didn't really know exactly what a lawyer was, mm -hmm. but she told me that. And I always knew I wanted to do something with uh, journalism and, and so communications. So the point I wanted to make is mm -hmm. as kids, sometimes listen to children because they often know what they want to do. So you yeah. knew for some reason you were more inclined to journalism and communication. So science probably never appealed to you. Right, Whereas right, though for true. me, I wanted to be a doctor or even a science teacher. So that's what it, so it's one of those things where it just probably just wasn't right, right. That's true. It just wasn't for you. Just and that's I'm not true. yeah. So I always say listen to kids because kids often when they say they want to do something, a lot of times they end up doing it. And I think and, and it's a shame because a lot of times we do know what we want to do as kids, but then the real world comes in, we get older, and then a lot of us tend to take the safer route and not necessarily following what we always wanted mm -hmm. to do, even though some of us may, you know, eventually get back into it. And it, you know, and, and not to say that you would regret anything, because I mean, everything that you've accumulated over those years, you know, there's still experiences, there's still lessons, but sometimes we veer off <laughs> and then come back mm -hmm. to really just what we wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. So no, you're right. I, I, I agree. <laughs> So now, speaking of um, my research that I did too, uh, I, like I said, I like to do a lot of research. I read some a few articles. I don't know if you've ever heard of her or not, of um, Merit Patak, who worked in the third century BCE as a physician in ancient Egypt. I was reading about her, and she was known as the first recorded woman in medicine. I just thought that was interesting. Now, of course, throughout time, they've been so many amazing women in the field um, that unfortunately, just due to flawed history and recordings, we just really may never know. But they, of course, paved the way for women in STEM, such as yourself, um, you know, to do what you're doing today. Now, back on episode number 10 of the podcast, um, 
entitled Lack of Diversity in Corporate America. I spoke to our beautiful sorority sister, Carla Trotman, who is the president and CEO of Electrosoft, just about um, the lack of diversity that we see at the top of many organizations. And that leads me to, of course, STEM. I read an article that said only 2% of STEM jobs nationwide are held by Black women. And I think that article was in 2021. So even though it's been almost two years, I would imagine that that number hasn't changed much. So let me ask you this. What do you think can be done to change that number just to really increase the number of Black women um, in particular in the field of STEM in general? A lot. So, (laughs) so one, we have to encourage women to pursue these careers. That's the first thing and support them. Then provide mentors and coaches. So for me, I surround myself with a few professional organizations. So I'm a part of Women of Color in Pharma, which is known as WOSIP, Young Black Pharma. I'm a part of the National Sales Network, even though I'm not in sales, but I'm a part of the local Philadelphia chapter. And um, you had the Healthcare Business Women's Association, anything that's going to rally and support women and encourage you, because I'll say this. Um, it's one thing to go to school and get the degree, but you have to be able to keep the job. And sure. <laughs> growing up, my family, um, I don't have a whole lot of people in my family that went to college. Um, My sister went to college after being in the Marines for a couple years. So she wasn't a traditional student. My dad did go to college. But other than that, it's not a lot of people in my immediate family that attended college. So I didn't understand how how to play the game in corporate America. Right. And so you have to coach people on, one, how to get the job and how to keep it. So that's another thing you have to think about. (laughs) And that could be a whole separate topic. Um, I would say when they're in school, don't be afraid to ask for help, ask for a tutor, find a study group. When I went to pharmacy school, it was a rude awakening. I literally needed a tutor and I needed a study group. I couldn't couldn't do it on my own. (laughs) I couldn't do it on my own. I tried. Pharmacy school was a different beast. And yep, so yep, I get it. <laughs> I started working one on one of my classmates. We would just study together. She would and when, I, when I didn't understand something, she would help me understand it. Listening to the lectures back in the day, you could bring a tape recorder to the lecture. You listen right. to that lecture over and over again. Whatever you need to do to learn the material until it is literally ingrained in your brain. Um, And then also just introducing black women to other black women in the field. So um, for me. Right. For instance, um, and not even just introducing them, but making sure that for me being as a pharmacist, showing up in a white coat. And what I mean by that is I've been asked a few times to come and talk to high school students and even elementary school students. Every time I go, I bring a white coat and I talk in my white coat that says Tierra Ryan PharmD, Department of Pharmacy. Now, I don't practice pharmacy, (laughs) but I want them to see a black woman Mm -hmm. in a white coat because I'll never forget. I was talking to a pharmacy student at Temple and it was, and it was funny. He was Nigerian, which, and so this caught me off guard. He was like, until pharmacy school, I never saw a black person in a white coat. And I'm like, you know, it (laughs) it really caught me off guard because growing up, I had a black dentist all my life. Right. Right. I had a black primary care physician. I had, I had, I had a few black primary care physicians growing up in this one practice. So to hear somebody say they never saw a black person in a white coat. That's interesting. I was shocked. 
And so I make it a point now so that when when I'm out, whenever I'm doing like again, it's more like a come talk to students or something like that. It's that way they can say, you know, we saw a black woman in a white coat. I don't want them to forget that so that this is a, a call to action. It's like a when five, 10 years from now, you're thinking about going to college and pursuing a field. I saw somebody that looked like me that did this. So that's why I do it. I um, so here I have, so I have, um, <laughs> oh yeah. So another thing to do is in, in terms of getting into STEM is a lot of times you have to take standardized tests. Right. And I'm sorry, my, my, dog might be growling in the background as the ambulance is riding by. Hey, Coco. <laughs> <laughs> so um, don't be afraid to take a test prep course. Right. Those standardized tests are designed to weed you out. When I took my pharmacy yeah, pride, <laughs> when I took the NAPLEX, which is a pharmacy exam, uh-huh. I took two courses, one through school and one was through my job. Okay. And they, they both came with books. When I tell you, actually, I had three books. I, I studied for six weeks. I read those books inside and out. The strategies on like how to take the test to understand the concepts. Mm-hmm. And people don't believe me. I'm, I don't even with SATs. Like if I had a child, listen, we would be doing SAT prep. Yep, we will be yep. taking every prep course. What, what t- you want to take the GRE? We're gonna take. We're gonna send you to the Kaplan or or somebody Sylvan Learning Center to take the course because exactly. that's how you get ahead. But that those are the things that we we don't know growing up. Right. We right. just think because school teaches it, but there's strategies and people don't understand it. And then um, something else that's really important and I cannot stress this enough is learn how to interview. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> when I was doing the fellowship, we had to interview for the next incoming class. Right. And I cannot tell you how many times there was a black candidate. And sometimes I could tell they needed a little bit more coaching. I'll say that. Right. Even for me, when I when I did my fellowship, thank God I had my sorority sisters that were in corporate America. I reached out to them. One of them recommended a book that was called 60 Seconds and You're Hired. And it was a book on various interview questions. And it told you what each question meant and how to respond to it. To this day, when people reach out to me, I always recommend that book to them. There are probably other books, but that has been that has been my gold standard when it comes to interviews. Um, I'm sorry, what's the name of the book again? 60 seconds and you're hired by Robin Ryan, no relation. seconds and you're hired, okay. And so essentially each question should take you about a minute to answer. But you know how like a question is, tell me about yourself. Somebody might really say, I'm, like I'm a cancer and I love seafood. I have a dog named Coco. I know. You better say that you are a hard worker. You, you, right. you, <laughs> they want to get their life story. Like you love the field you work in, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are, you, you, you excel at any task you're right. <laughs> and you will love me no. <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. And, 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 and I'll say that, um, I had a, a manager reach out to me. We're really kind of cool. And for a position that, that, that they were hiring for, he said, you know, I noticed when it comes to black candidates, they don't interview as well. And he's like, why is that? And he's just being honest, right? It's one of these things where 
is, hey, can I talk to you and how can I help? And so I I would just say you, you really have to be prepared. I think some people are coached their entire lives and that's part of the game and you don't realize it. Yeah. And right. you have people that think that you can just, again, I thought just having the degree was going to be good enough. And it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really not. Nope. Um, first of all, good is not enough. That, that's another book um, that I read when I came into corporate America, because for me, it was how do I, I got the job, but now I didn't feel comfortable. I, I had, right. um, what is that? What is that word called? Uh, imposter syndrome. Right. That's yes. The whole, yes. And so it's, I'm the only person of color mm-hmm. in this whole department. No one looks like me. And I don't understand. I don't know who I can talk to. And so I had to do my own training, my own personal development, reading books of people who have been in my shoes and understand. Right. And so now I'm able to share that information. When people call me for um, advice or want to talk about the job, I they always say I, I keep they 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 say I keep it real. I, I'm going to be I honest. Mean, you have to. Yeah, I mean, with some, I guess some people aren't, or some people don't. But, but, I, but you need to hear the truth. <laughs> and that's you know? the thing. I and I, I speak the truth because I know what I went through when I first came into corporate America. I and I, mean, I had a farm D degree. I stumbled. Like even how to write an email. Like you don't write in all caps. Yeah, sometimes you got to you got to learn. Yeah, I like, learned. Who is she yelling at? All these, these capital letters. <laughs> that you know, you That's I make funny. sure that every time I send an email, I might when I start typing to say I get straight to the point. I'm like, you know what? I'm back up. Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? I hope all right, is right. well. <laughs> playing the game. That's pretty much <laughs> what it is. That's what I call it. Playing the game. You still have to play the politics, if you will. Yes. Of that job. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. And then I have one last point I wanted to make uh-huh. in terms of um, being in oncology, especially as a medical science liaison, there, there is there are black MSLs. We're called MSLs, um, okay. but it's not a lot. And I will tell you, when people think of pharmaceuticals, they think of sales reps. That's the first thing. They say, mm. oh, are you a rep? And I'm like, no. I work in the field alongside a rep. We have different roles. We have a firewall. Right. We support the same. We can support the same customers, but in different aspects. And I can tell you, when I go to some conferences and there's usually an exhibit hall where the sales reps have a table, right, right. that's who you see more often, especially like in certain markets like DC, where a lot of the reps are black. Right. I will tell you, <laughs> they are always like, we are so happy to see you. Oh, wow. Like I have had so many like, Black brothers, they like because we don't see many black MSLs, That's and they're awesome. like, they're like, listen, if you need anything, let us know. Like these, these, these are not right, even right. at my company. <laughs> it's like they are just like so happy to see me because it's nice. rare, and it shouldn't be that way. But you know, oncology is, is <laughs> oncology is a different beast, right. and even for me, like you, it, it's. It's it's hard, you know. It's one you you're dealing with a very grave disease state, right, right. And it's you're you're these doctors are constantly or come to constantly trying to find a cure. So the right. science is always changing. Every time a new drug comes out, it can change the standard of care, and so you have to keep up. 
It's a, like being an MSO one, it's a lot of studying. It's a lot of reading journal articles. It is trying to keep up. It's mm -hmm. staying abreast, staying abreast of the data. And so um, you, you got to stay on top of things. So um, I guess for me, I never thought I would be in oncology. I thought I would have been in like maybe diabetes, cardiovascular right. disease. And I ended up in oncology and that's what they were just like, oh my God, like you're here. <laughs> I mean, just you saying that it's a lot of work. I remember when we were at the um, women's conference, the one that Michelle Obama attended. And I remember yes. you were sitting next to me and you were on your iPad or whatever that was, that tablet, and you were working. Because I think I just started my job. I think I had just started at yeah, okay, Lily. Yeah, I remember that. And I might have been at Lily a month. And it, it's still a, it's just a lot of information to take in. And in, in, in the beginning, it's like drinking from a fire hose. It's, it's like, yeah. it's a lot. Now, I've been at my company four years now, and I I know my job now. Right, right. The data still comes in, new stuff, but it's more like just, I don't have to learn as much because I have the foundation now. It's just right. learning a new piece of it. Um, But yeah, it, I remember being at a, 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 um, a funeral, but I was more as a support for somebody. I didn't gotcha, know the person. Gotcha. It was kind of like, I'm in the background, just let me look because. Right. When you, I was new, it's still my first. I didn't want to expert, you know. I was trying to stay under the radar. Let me gotcha. keep, even if I need to step away, let me keep up with everything I'm doing. Yeah, you were you were working like <laughs> the whole time, or at least after the conference. I remember you were busy, but like, well, let me ask you this: Do you feel that you have, which unfortunately some of us do, do you feel like you have still have something to prove? Because it's like, even though you have this experience now, you've been there for a few years and you're, you're good at what you do, do you still feel that as a Black woman, you still have to stay like 10 steps ahead in order for them to, you know, still look at you as the intelligent woman that you are? I don't think it's because I'm Black at this point. I think okay. it's because most people that come into oncology usually have had some type of training, whether they were a... PhD researcher and they did their research in oncology. They were an oncologist. They were an oncology nurse. They were an oncology pharmacist. Okay. I kind of stumbled into oncology. Um, my career in pharmaceuticals has varied from infectious disease to pain and inflammation products to vaccines. And right. with oncology, you know my story. Um, right. I'm a cancer survivor. And I, I remember I wanted to be in the field. I, I I know that I'm outgoing. I knew I didn't want to be in-house going into an office every day. I wanted to right. do something that was field-facing. And there was another story of survivors who worked in oncology at a company. She was the number one rep in the company, and they had an opening for an MSO. She calls me and says, hey, there's an opening. You should apply. And I'm like, kind of like, no, I don't have experience. <laughs> Why, why would I apply? Because I, I, I'm not an oncology pharmacist. I didn't do a residency right. in oncology. I literally have no experience. And she was like, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You, <laughs> she said, you're going to get in that interview and tell your story. Mm. And I said, you know, this is, you don't discuss your personal business in an interview. Who right. does that? Right. Let me tell you, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking, but because it was, it's really true. Right, right. At the end of the day, you're doing all this work for the patient. And I'm the patient mm. that you're working, that you, that you're trying to help. I know what it's like. I sat in that chair. I, I had cancer. Yes. And now eight years later, I'm cancer free, but there are still awesome. Love it. things that happen residually 
that impact other areas of your life. So from that regard, and it's funny, so so I had to do some presentations over the last couple of weeks at my job. Training my team on a, a tumor type that, that we don't we don't really work in. And I was kind of annoyed when I was approached about it because I'm like, because I had to learn it myself, right? right. And I'm like, <laughs> right. kind of like, why this person asked me to do this? This is too much. <laughs> you know you, you, know you fuss at yourself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I've done two presentations so far and I've gotten like rave reviews like everybody even so we met the other day because I have to do I have to do a third one and he was like I cannot tell you how many people are still giving you compliments and I'm like he's somebody that he's been here since I started and I said you know what's crazy I said you know these presentations make me nervous and he's like why and I said to him I said my background is not oncology I learned this on the job your own you're your own worst critic though we are our own worst critics (laughs) and I had somebody on my team who was an oncology pharmacist say I helped him understand this better now than when he worked in the field practicing and seeing patients I the way I broke it you nervous enough I mean it's (laughs) because nervous for nothing look at all these people you helping and people coming to you like come on (laughs) I know but it's it's just so I don't so back to your question. I don't I don't feel like it's because of my my skin t- color. It's just more of because I didn't have the formal training. I've had to learn on a job. And so I had to prove something to myself. So doing that presentation, these these series of presentations, and this last year, like I've been knocking it out the ballpark. Um it's just been because it's and I mean for me, my when I first started, it was literally basically having no understanding or very little training in this space and so it was constantly trying to keep up keep up keep up right and now I feel like I can take a I can slow down just a little because I understand like I've had time to grow with my products right um the one the ones that are the ones that we have marketed I've grown with it like I've seen I have experience now so when I get questions I know who to call. I know where to go to look for the answer. I know what to do now. Right. And then with our new products, I'm growing with them because they're new. And so now as this product progresses in a pipeline, I'm growing with it. And it makes it easier because it's, I'm here basically from, right, the, right. not from inception, but from when it comes to us. And so hopefully when it hits the market, gotcha. I've been here. So that that that's helpful. But I, But I will say, I don't feel like race is a big issue for me. At least where I'm at, I mean, who knows? I don't feel I don't feel uncomfortable. I don't feel any kind of way. I feel like I'm treated fairly. My my management team is very supportive. Which is always good. Um, I I, I can't ask for a better support system. So nice. I, I I couldn't dare right now. <laughs> say anything is on race when it comes to me right right i've had to prove myself for myself because mm. my background is just not oncology but now it is i mean now i can well, say now it is because right. <laughs> i've been in i've been in oncology six years i was in um so i yeah so gotcha <laughs> gotcha well listen look you have been very successful so far and i know that you will continue to do so i mean of course starting off again in retail pharmacy before pivoting to industry. So what is next for Dr. Ryan? What what are your like overarching career goals that you still want to achieve? So honestly, 
I'm trying to figure it out because I've been in my company for four years and on this team for four years. I am now considered a senior member on the team, which is crazy. Like people look at oh, wow. the newer people coming into me, looking up to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not crazy. It's just, you know, at one point I used to get by with being new right, and now right. it's like, oh no, no, you're senior now. Your yeah, expectations oh, okay. are up here. <laughs> and so I like working in the field. Right. I like building relationships with doctors. I mean, it's been fun to meet to meet doctors who they don't have any relationships with Lily. And then sometimes I've been able to take that from no relationship to them thoroughly engaging with my internal colleagues. Nice. There are some top-notch doctors that you might see on local local commercials or and I'm emailing them and they respond That's to awesome. me. That's <laughs> awesome. And so that means a lot. You know, it's that relationship building. So <laughs> When I first started at my company, somebody asked me, what do you want to do in two to three years? And I thought I had to have an answer. And so there were some departments I wanted to go to, but it's also okay to stay where you are. There is nothing wrong with being a career MSO. I have a friend that works at another company and a lot of people on her team have been on on that team 15, 20 years. Especially if you love what you do, like why not? And so... There might, there's opportunities to grow within my team to get more into the strategy so I can right. do work with more, um, work with thought, we call them key opinion leaders, working with certain organizations that support them is one regard. Um, but honestly, I think that I want to focus on myself right now. Gotcha. You know, um, like I said, I mentioned that I'm a cancer survivor and survivor. Thriver. And the last few years, you know, I, I just right now things are smooth sailing. I'm thinking about, you know, I might want to start a family. And right. so I want peace. Listen, we two old ladies now. So, <laughs> girl, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We are two old ladies. No, no. We listen. We are young women. We are as young as we think. Anyway, but no, you're right. I mean, I think we're both at that point where, you know, you want to start thinking about, you know, that stuff. And peace is just, there's nothing like it. (laughs) And so one thing about this role that I have, I remember when I used to reach out to recruiters, send them my resume, take a look. Let me tell you, these people find a way to contact me. I tried to take my name off of LinkedIn, make my profile incognito. They still call, email me. That's nice, though. And so I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm honest with them. I'm like, you know, right now, I'm not looking. Right, right. I'm happy where I'm at. And I think that means a lot, you know. Um, no, I think that's good, at least. I mean, but the fact is that, that people are still looking for you, that, that, that speaks a lot to so, just the work that you do, too. Well, in myself, it, this type of role is a very sought after role and I have experience that I have. And right. um, there are some people like to move around, especially some people like to go to startups because it's high risk, high reward. Right. You know, sometimes depending on the company, you can make out really well. I'm not that much of a risk taker in that regard. I like large pharma. So, I mean, I, I, it, you can get into small, medium, and large. I'm used to large pharma. Right, the right. startups are probably great, but it's just not 
my comfort zone. And so I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to take certain chances, um, but I know people that do and they love it. Right. And some people are risk takers. <laughs> I mean, with any, with any sort of company, it's like, you just never know. So yeah, you, but you, would you say you like the stability or the safety, I guess you could say of a larger um, pharmaceutical yes, company? But I will say with, keep in mind, the pharmaceutical industry is very volatile. Yeah. Yeah. So you never know if your product doesn't do well, if it, if you, if you, if it doesn't launch, right. I've seen people get laid off. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Severance packages, that type of stuff. And so I, I know the industry that I work in. So I, 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 I am aware of that kind of stuff. So gotcha. I'll never say, Oh, things are super sweet. And it also depends on, the laws that are passed, you know, um, there are some, there's yeah. uh, sometimes talks about pharmaceuticals and the reimbursements and payments. And some, some people want to make some, some difficult decisions when it comes to that. Right. And those decisions affect everybody at the company. So I, I'm always aware that at any given time, something could happen. Right. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Listen, Tierra, this has been amazing. Oh my gosh. Look, I just, I think for people listening to you, especially those that may have even just been considering getting into STEM, I mean, you provided a lot of good resources. So guys, please listen to what she's saying. Go back and look at these resources that she mentioned as far as um, just if you're considering a career in STEM, doing your research and just, you know, studying, because if it's your passion, you you'll go for it and you'll do it. So I just really hope that this has inspired someone who's been considering a career in STEM to just release that fear that you have and just go for it. Yes, it's maybe there will be obstacles. It's not going to be easy. She knows when she was in pharmaceutical in pharmacy school, it was hard. When I was in law school, it was hard. I had breakdown. Like it, it listen, it happens, but we got through it. And so can you. So listen, Tara, before we wrap up, uh, please let everyone know where they can follow you. So on LinkedIn, you can find me at Tierra Ryan Farm D, and on Twitter, T Ryan Farm D, or my username is Fab and Fit RX on Twitter. All right, so guys, be sure to follow Tierra on either LinkedIn or Twitter, and um, her those social media accounts will be posted on the podcast page on my website, which is thisrealmofexistence.com. So uh, before we wrap up, uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? You know, I'll just say this. Follow your passion. Don't let anyone derail you. Especially for for young ladies out there. If you want to be a doctor, if you want to be whatever, a teacher, lawyer, don't let anybody say, well, it's too hard. Don't let anybody talk you out of pursuing your dreams. And don't let anybody tell you that, you know, you're, you're, you're bossy or whatever, because you want to take control because you know what you want. Be authentic and true to yourself because there are people out there that because they can't see the vision for themselves, they're not going to be able to see it for you. And you have to be careful of that. Yes. And they will try to talk you out of your dreams based on their own fears yep. <laughs> and insecurities. Yes, I completely agree with that. We've we've met those kind of people. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> I agree. Stay away from them. But all right, guys. Well, again, Sierra, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you all 
for tuning in to another episode of this Realm of Existence podcast. And until next time, remember that you are a magical being who truly can achieve whatever you set out to achieve. So I need you to go live your best life in this realm of existence. And as always, I wish you peace, love, joy, and prosperity. Bye, guys.